Hello, my witchy friends. Welcome back to Cat's Tea and Witchcraft. This is the 12th episode of the podcast, and today's topic is divination. Today's topics in regards to divination is only going to be very like bare bones intro to a couple different types of divination because there are quite a few really popular options such as tarot, oracle readings, and runes. So I'm just going to go over those and a few more as well, going over a basic description of them. And then also I'll let you know the things I have and a couple of books and resources that I use to help me interpret my things whichever one I'm using it depends because I do change up if I'm doing a pendulum um, I don't always use oracle cards but I definitely use my runes and my tarot a lot so the first thing I'm going to go over is the definition of what divination is um, the first one I have is from dictionary.com and it says the practice of attempting to foretell future events or discover hidden knowledge by occult or supernatural means uh, the next one is from Merriam-Webster, just under divination, nothing fancy. It says the art or practice that seeks to foresee or foretell future events or discover hidden knowledge, usually by the interpretation of omens or by the aid of supernatural powers. So both of those definitions are pretty close to each other. They go over the concept of occult stuff, supernatural stuff. Um, the second one did go over the concept of omens. I guess that is what the interpretations or maybe the symbols that you get out of some of these forms of divination that you're provided if there are visual representations. Um, but for the most part, that, that, that's accurate because it's the dictionary. And, um, but my personal definition for divination is predicting possible outcomes of the past, present, and future with the use of tools, not to be confused with being psychic because you do not need to be psychic to use tools of divination. Divination should be seen as an extremely honest friend because you don't want to ask your divination tools things that you want to hear. They're going to tell you what you need to hear. So be aware of that. They're not going to tell you what you want to hear. Um, if you want to hear something that's not honest, uh, you use these tools as a way to reflect on your past and possible future outcomes and actions. Um, I believe that the future is not fixed and it all depends on your choices. And that all depends on your belief. If you believe that the future is fixed, go with that. Just make sure when you're doing your readings, you are very aware of what you believe. And if you feel like your beliefs are starting to change, make sure you focus on whatever you're thinking about so it might reflect in your reading. But I still personally believe that you have the choice to control your own actions and having self-control is very important, not just in magical purposes, but in your everyday life. Because you also don't have to do divination for magical reasons. You could ask personal questions if you want to. There's only a few things that I would think that maybe you shouldn't ask and one of them is in regards to your health. If you have access to a doctor in healthcare, please go to your doctor instead of basing medical things with divination. Okay, so kinda on to the next step and Something that I wrote out as a question to kind of prompt you guys is what should you use these future predicting tools for? Like I said, you can use these to help reflect on the past 
and future um, to grow yourself spiritually and emotionally. You can also use them to give yourselves a sense of peace about knowing about the future outcomes that might be occurring and what you can possibly do to prepare for them. So if you feel like you're going to have like a rough year or something in regards to financial stuff, you might want to like pre-think, okay, what do you want to do? Maybe you should save money or maybe you should take on another job or maybe you should hold back on your job. Maybe your job is too stressful. Depending on whatever your situation and whatever your reading is, it kind of helps you get a peace of mind. Um, sometimes people don't get a peace of mind, so also be aware of that. Sometimes divination can be a little scary if your readings don't come out positive because they do not always come out positive. Sometimes they don't ever come out positive very often and that's not necessarily like everything's going to be like devastating and life altering just some things like in particular with tarot um some of the cards can look a little scary depending on the artwork but they don't always literally mean like life or death so moving on the next thing is going to go over the different types of popular divination tools the ones i'm going to go over today is tarot runes pendulums scrying and tea leaf reading and a little bit of palmistry i know there are a few other ones like people who use bones or do automatic writing but i know zero to less than zero about those forms of divination. So I'm not going to go over those at all, but I did want to kind of put them down because some cultures do use those divination technique, but I do not. And a little bit of a PSA on these tools before you dive into using them. Like any traditions or forms of magic, especially if it is not from your culture and you would like to learn about different varying forms of divination, please do your research before using them, even if it's just as simple as tarot. And I'm not saying that is in a way that it's cultural appropriation, but these tools are and can be a little bit complex. So if you don't know how to use them correctly, you might not get accurate readings. I would say to start with learning about the basic history of them and to how to properly use them. But this also applies to any type of magic that you're doing make sure you do enough research before you dive head into something because your results may vary until you get the hang of something you're probably going to have some trouble memorizing things especially when it comes to symbolism tarot the symbols of runes there's a lot to memorize because there's also reverse meanings with some of these divination tools as well. So do not feel that you have to memorize all of these forms of tools because there are books and websites and apps that you can use to guide your way because it could take people years to fully feel like they have a 100% grasp on how to use them or at least memorize all the meanings of the tools. Also, divination should not be used as party tricks you do not want to seem like you're a cheap magician or a fortune teller and push the negative stigma that magic and divination has to the abuse in the past that people have experienced due to scams for profit and a lot of those people who were scamming people were found out to be frauds so do not do anything that would make you seem like a fraud or a fake or to make your magical path seem like a sham 
You also don't want to use divination to try to convince people in your life to act a certain way or use divination as a tactic of fear to control them because that is wrong. Do not give someone a reading and lie to them about what the reading is. That is unethical. It is just mean. Do not do that. If you're trying to convince someone to do something for you or they're acting a certain way and you want to scare some sense into them, this is not the way to do it. If you want to do something the right way, give them the correct reading if you are giving someone a reading. I do want to encourage you to do readings for your friends who might know about your path. And if you are close to family members and they know about your path, if these people are willing to get readings, totally do readings on them but be upfront with them that you're learning and the results may vary like I've talked about but use your friends who are you close to who know about what you're doing and use that as a chance to practice you don't always need to just practice on yourself because that does get kind of boring and you might run out of things to ask it so now I'm going to actually jump into the meat of everything today the first thing I'm going to go over is tarot so tarot is essentially a deck of cards and there's 78 cards in the deck there are the upright versions when the cards are facing upwards but also if they're upside down there is a completely different set of meanings so that means it's 78 times two i'm not good at math so you can do the math um so what we know about tarot is that they were used as early as the 1400s and were possibly originally a card game but transitioned into being used for divination. There are two major parts to the decks. There's the major and the minor arcana. In the minor there are four suits and 14 cards in each and then there are 22 cards in the major arcana. Sometimes when you look at the visuals in tarot, especially the traditional um, sets, some of them can seem a little scary, especially the ones involving death, the devil, tower, or even some of the cards that have swords. Um, but they don't always mean really bad things. And even if they do in a sense, it doesn't mean someone's going to die when you get the death card. Or when there's the devil, it doesn't mean you're going to be possessed or someone is the devil. It's just something to get your attention and something that you should pay attention to. And for example, when you receive the death card, and I think if it's upside, upside, right side up, oh my goodness. Um, if it's right side up, death doesn't always mean actual death. It just might mean a new beginning. It might be the death of something in your life not a person you might be ending a job and you're going to start a new job maybe it's the end of school or the end of a relationship or a new relationship coming up so there are different meanings for these things that aren't always bad tarot cards are pretty easy to get a hold of you don't have to order them online and you don't have to go to a witchy shop to get them i've actually purchased cards off of Etsy, Amazon, and found them in bookstores, but I've also got them at witchy shops. So you have a pretty good set of options to find tarot cards, and there are literally probably hundreds or thousands of different styles and art forms that are in tarot decks that are pretty modern. So if you are 
hold to a traditional deck, you could use a traditional deck, or if you wanna use one that's only black and white, or if you wanna use one that has cats on it, use a deck that calls out to you because it can make a difference in how you connect to it. When you're using tarot, how you use them is when you pull your cards after you shuffle them after you cleanse them and do your process there are a variety of different ways you can cleanse them and kind of get everything set up and you figure out what works for you i like to shuffle i like to knock on them i like if i'm doing a reading on someone i'll have them split it in half and then i'll change things up again so once you do that you'll have a set spread in mind and how you're going to cast your cards and what that means is the order and the placement the cards are going to be flipped over or however if you do them upside down first or right side up, you that's how you would read them. If you do a spread and say if there's three cards, the first one can be past, second, present, and the third one, future. There are a ton of different spread examples that you can find in books and online. And another cool thing about having a wide variety of spreads is depending on the layout and how many cards are in it will depend on what sort of questions you might want to ask and the complexity of the answers that you'll get. When you hear about tarot sometimes when you're new some people might tell you that you can't use tarot until you're gifted a deck. That is completely false. You can totally buy yourself a deck. It'd be cool if you were gifted it but if you've never used tarot before and no one knows you want to do tarot, how are they going to gift you a set of tarot cards? And some people think that that concept came into place because it was a way to gatekeep. And I don't like talking about gatekeeping, but I'm going to have to because there's a lot of it in the community. And people like to accuse people of it when they're not gatekeeping. But... This is kind of a good example of gatekeeping, possibly, is that people will tell you that you can only be gifted a tarot deck to reduce how many people are using tarot and know how to read tarot because possibly people who use tarot readings as an income source, they don't want as much competition. So if a wide group of people know how to do tarot in their area, that's not great for their business. So... Buy your own tarot decks. Don't listen to them. So moving on, the next divination tool that I'm going to go over is runes. Runes is probably my first favorite, but sometimes I go back and forth between that and tarot. But I love runes so much. I find them beautiful. They're a lot simpler than tarot cards, and there's a lot less of them in your pack. Um, runes is an ancient set of letters that were used in Germanic, Norse, and Anglo-Saxon cultures in Europe. Now when you purchase them, they will come in a set of 24 to 25. A lot of them come with the 25th stone usually, or if it's wood, it'll be blank. And that blank piece is not always recommended to use, even though it technically does have a meaning, but it was put into runes. I think like in more modern times so I used to use it but now I just completely discard it and if I ever lose one of my runes from the actual set I'll use that to replace if I've lost one. Traditionally they're made out of wood but a lot of the times now you'll find them made out of crystals or stone. 
I like them made out of crystals because they feel more tangible. They're heavier. I feel like they're easier to cast and it's kind of like the noise when you spread them out on a tablecloth or even a table if you use it on a bare table. I prefer a tablecloth because I don't want to damage them and I don't want to damage my table and they can get pretty loud. But I think using crystals is just really cool, especially when you're into crystals as well because different crystals have different meanings. So maybe the different representations and vibe of the crystals will kind of like give you a really cool vibe when you're using them. Like I mentioned uh, a second ago, there are 24 to 25 runes in a set. And if you use all 25 that means if you do read reverse meanings of your runes, that would mean 50 different interpretations that you could get. If you don't use the 25th stone, you'll have 48 different meanings that you will get. And not sure if I mentioned it already, I'm sorry if I'm just repeating myself at this point, but if you read reverse meanings, decide before you do your polls and start doing your readings, um, don't to change it in the middle because once you've already cast and laid out your stones or your cards they're supposed to stay the way they're supposed to be unless you know you don't read reverse meanings and then you flip it but do not change your mind in the middle of the reading because if you start questioning things and you're only flipping things upside down to get the results that you want that's not accurate that means you're just lying to yourself and like tarot, you essentially could put your runes in a spread. What I like to do is I have mine in bags. Either I will pull the stones out or whoever I'm doing a reading well, they'll pull out as many as they need. That I don't even really use spreads all the time. I will have them just cast them on the table. And depending on how they land is how we organize it. But if you do want to use a spread, say you're doing a three stone spread, you have a past, present, and future, you'll have one, two, three, and that's how you'll do your reading. And if that's the case, I would say don't worry about reverse meanings because you'll have to like pull one out, put one down, pull one out, put one down, pull one out, put one down. And then you don't want to have to be flipping them all around. It's like, oh, did I pull it this way? Put it that way? Just put it right side up. Just know ahead of time. If it's reverse, just put it the right side. Unless, like I said, if you throw them on the table in the reverse, keep them that way and if they're upside down to the point where you can't see the rune remove them and don't use those in your reading that's how I do it I don't know if that's how everyone do it but that's what I do when I do a basic just throwing at that point I'm just leaving it to fate but I did also mention that I like to use a table if it has a tablecloth or I'll put something down to prevent it from being really loud but I also carry around with my divination tools I have really cheap just placemats from the dollar store just solid black because also tables can be really sticky and gross especially if someone's house or if you're just anywhere and the table hasn't been cleaned you don't want to get your stuff dirty so I actually have just like a one dollar little black um not tablecloth but it's a, a placemat for like a dinner plate and I'll use that and it reduces the sound and it doesn't get my stuff dirty the third one for tonight that we're going to go over is pendulums. Pendulums was the first form of divination that I ever used. And I got my first pendulum baby when I was 18. It is a basic clear quartz pendulum. And it's 
it just has such a cool feeling. I really love pendulums, but I actually don't use them a lot anymore because I have Divin in the tarot. I get a little bit more answers out of tarot or runes, but if you're just looking for a yes or no answer, pendulums are great. What you want to do with pendulums is hold them in, I guess, maybe your dominant hand if you want or your power hand, whichever one you choose. Hold it between two fingers and keep your elbows steady or on the table, depending on if you're like just sitting on your bed or sitting somewhere. You want to pay attention to what direction that it swings. Before you ask any real questions, you need to ask it almost like a programming set of questions. And that is you are asking questions that you already know the answers to and then you will watch which direction it swings. Ask a question that you know the answer will be yes. And if it goes, say, forward and back, that means yes. Or if it goes in a circle or if it goes side to side, whichever direction it goes for yes, that is your yes. And do the same thing for a question that you know the answer is no to. I will recommend that you do this every time you use it because I have noticed that the directions of my answers have changed. Sometimes it'll go forward and the sides and sometimes it'll swing clockwise and sometimes it'll swing counterclockwise just in circles. So make sure you program it every time you use it. And if it's made out of crystal and not metal or if it's made of wood, cleanse it every so often because if it's a crystal, it's still gonna absorb the energies around you. A lot of the time people just use pendulums for yes or no questions, but sometimes people use them to find lost items. I have not done this. I just don't want to leave it up to my pendulum to find it because I would feel pretty stupid if my pendulum knew or something was and I don't. And I already feel stupid when I lose things, especially when they were literally just next to me. At that point, I just blame the fairies. If you ever find yourself in a situation where you can't purchase a pendulum or you can't find it or you're out and about and you want to use a pendulum, you could make your own pendulums. You just need to make sure whatever you're using is balanced because I feel like if it's off balance, it might get a little wobbly. One example is taking a ring and attaching a string to it. Moving on to the next form of divination and I'm going to go over scrying. At least the way I was taught or the way I understand there is multiple forms of scrying. You can scry with mirrors, bowls, crystal balls, or even into fire like flames. It could be a full fire or it could be just a single candle flame. So scrying is a form of seeing or gazing into a bowl, mirror, crystal, or flame in the hopes of receiving images, messages, or symbols. These messages or symbols can be interpreted through common meanings of symbols depending on your culture because different cultures do, do, have, do have different meanings for things. So, um, some Asian cultures I know will have red as being a very different meaning as what European cultures will have the representation of red for. Also, you don't have to use like popular cultural or any sort of cultural representations of symbols, you could have your own personal meanings behind symbols based on life experiences. I know a lot of people have different meanings for butterflies or dragonflies or just 
owls or symbols maybe these symbols represent loved ones or maybe they represent good omens or bad omens maybe you had a really bad experience with a cat so seeing a cat to you might not be good but it might be a good symbol to me because i love cats so knowing how you view symbols and different things like that just kind of think about that when you are doing a reading and what it might possibly be so when you're scrying with these objects you're essentially just focusing or and or gazing into their surfaces and it could be for short periods of times or long periods of time i know for me i struggle with scrying so i've found myself just staring into a crystal ball with a small candle behind it and have literally gotten nothing out of it but then in other cases i know people who do scrying with black mirrors and bowls and they seem to like it so it all depends on you when it comes to scrying because this one is a little bit more where i think the magic and your focus and your meditation practice comes into because it could take long periods of time of just staring at something but like i also just said you sometimes in I know I would use for all of these, I know when I have my crystal ball out, I'll always have a little candle around to use that to possibly help form the images within the object that you're gazing at. And I tried not holding them into my hands, but you might have a better connection with your tool if you do have it in your hands, not just on a table in front of you. So the next divination tool that I'm gonna go over, oh my God, I'm so excited to talk about this one is tassiomancy or tassiography depending on who you talk to and that is tea leaf reading oh my gosh tea leaf reading i have only just gotten into this past summer i one time this summer decided that i am tired of drinking cheap tea i want tea that tastes good i don't want to always have to like douse my tea with honey sometimes i just want to drink really strong tea that tastes good on its own so i ended up going to this tea store i bought a crap ton of different types of teas and then I remembered that I had teacups that were my great grandmother's that my parents had so I got those and I started studying on tea leaf reading and literally it's the coolest thing so what tea leaf reading is is using loose leaf tea and putting it into your tea and drinking the tea out of it and you look at the shapes that are made after drinking the tea and the leftover leaves that are in it and stuck to the sides. In some cultures and some people will also do this with coffee grinds. It's a little bit like scrying, but the tea itself or the coffee grinds will form shapes or symbols or they'll be placed on a particular side of the cup. And depending on where it is and what you see is what the meanings will be. Sometimes different placements represent past, present, future, and then whatever the symbols mean to you or if you look up what they mean, that is how you will get your reading. But I really don't have a lot of information for you today on tea leaf reading. In the future podcast episodes, I'm actually planning on focusing on each one of these in their own episode. So that is when I'll give you more of a detail on tea leaf reading and all these other types of divination i just like i said i just started doing tea leaf reading so i have very little for you today just because i don't feel like i have enough experience with it to like offer you much more the last one i'm going to go over today is palmistry or palm reading i don't do palm reading i haven't had very good luck with it 
I have had people give me really bad palm readings in the past and I just personally don't have a good experience with palm reading but palm reading essentially is predicting someone's future or looking at their hand and predicting their life's outcome I guess. Um, each line on the hand and finger represents a different aspect of their life and the lines can be different from one person or to another depending on the size and length of the location of those lines. I hope that's an accurate description. If it's not, please someone let me know and then in the next episode whenever I get that information I can update that and maybe one day I'll actually do an episode on palmistry or if I know someone that does it maybe they'll do a better job at explaining it and they'll be able to help you out. Okay so that is all the different ones that I wanted to go over today. The only other thing is I'm just going to let you know what I have in regards to um, a couple of these tools. I have, how is it, is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven tarot decks. One oracle deck, which I have not used yet. I also have, wow, I have a, quite a few sets of pendulums. Let me count those real quick. I have four different pendulums. I have a smoky quartz. I have a clear quartz with like chakra pendants on the top, like different stones to represent each one. I have my original clear quartz one, which is my baby, and then I have an amethyst one. I currently have three sets of runes. One's a hematite set, which is a hefty, heavy set. I have a rose quartz set, which was my first set. And then I have a set that has multiple stones and there's various different colors and sizes in it. So. That's my third set, but I actually used to use my rose quartz a lot, but now my go-to is my hematite set. For scrying, I only really use my crystal ball. I have one that's a couple inches round and it's a clear quartz and that's the only one I use for scrying. And for tea leaf reading, I probably have 10 different sets of teacups that were my great-grandmother's, so they must be no younger than being around from the 40s no they oh, I don't know they might be between the 30s and the 40s because they were my great grandmothers but I do not know if she got them before or after my grandmother was born and I think some of them are from England and then maybe one or two of them are from Japan if anybody is looking for teacups and they don't just want like a really brand new teacup Go to antique shops and see what you can find. I'm actually in the process of looking for a giant like tea kettle cup, whatever their thing, not the teacup, but the like the kettle um, because I don't have one of those that were from her. I don't know if it was sold or broken or maybe she never had one, but I'm looking for one of those and I'm just waiting to find one at an antique shop one day and I'm just going to snatch it. Oh, I remember what it's called. It's called a teapot. It's not a kettle because a kettle is something different. Yeah, next time I see a really cool one at an antique shop, I'm going to snatch up a teapot. And before I forget, I also want to go over some of the resources that I use for my divination, more in particular for tarot and runes. For tarot readings, for websites, I use Biddy Tarot. For books, I have just two books, and one of them is called Understanding Tarot. It's like this blue pink dripped cover with some gold on it and it's by Liz Dean. I've gotten really good results out of this one. So if you want a book, look up this one. And I also this weekend just got 
one that's called A Complete Guide to Tarot by Eden Gray. It seems like it's pretty good. So if you like tarot, you should get these books or at least look at them. For runes, I have two books. I really don't use the books when doing runes, but I have one that's beginner for runes for beginners. And this is by Lisa Chamberlain, and she does write a lot of witch witchcraft books. And then I got a little one this weekend that's called A Little Bit of Runes, and it's by Cassandra Eason. And the first book I got on runes, but I haven't used it very much. It's kind of, it's actually called Rune Oracle Book in Card Pack. So it's runes on cards, but it does give you like a good visual description of them. So that one's just in color and has pictures and it's not just like a black and white book with a bunch of stuff on it. Um, but usually when I use my runes, I, um... I print out things from online, from the internet. I will print them, fold them up, and put them in the rune bag. So if I'm on the go, I have everything because I haven't memorized all of the runes or if I, if I have, you occasionally you forget and sometimes you need a reference. And the same thing with tarot. There's so many tarot cards and I do read reverse reading. So I'm gonna need to have that extra reference because it's gonna take years for me to memorize these things. And don't ever feel bad if you've been doing these for years and you haven't memorized it. Like you got a lot of things you're learning. There's a lot of things you gotta do. If this isn't your profession, don't worry about it. And I would suggest when you are doing divination, have a notebook dedicated to your readings because that allows you to look back at readings, especially for yourself, and to see if they were accurate and things that came true. So if you find out that maybe something that you're doing isn't giving you an accurate reading, you can go back and see what you've done and maybe change up your technique and then be able to test out what is working for you. And the same thing, I have friends that I'll do readings for and after a while I'll go back to them and be like hey was your reading accurate and I'll mark down we'll go if it's a month to month because sometimes I'll do like a one year spread and for the most part I think it's almost completely accurate it might be different than they expected but when you go back to look at what the cards mean they're like yeah that pretty much hit hit it like it, it's pretty accurate and I've had the same experience so keeping track of them in a notebook is a good learning process as well. Okay, friends, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for getting through this 30-minute uh, podcast on divination. If you like this podcast, feel free to give it a subscribe, depending on if you're listening to this on YouTube or whatever podcast platform that you're listening from. If you'd like to follow the social media pages on Instagram, you can find me at Cats Tea and Witchcraft. On Twitter, it's Cats Tea and Witch. If you want to send me an email, you can send me an email at Cats Tea and Witchcraft Podcast at gmail.com. I'd just like to remind you guys that I appreciate every single one of you, and I will talk to you guys next week. Blessed be.